What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Hello again and welcome everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Shane here with you today. As always, it is a pleasure to be here. Excited to dive in with you again today. Um, For those of you who are maybe new to the show, welcome to you. And this is where we do the deep dive on all things conscious relationships. So um, each week I choose a topic and we really dive in around that topic and explore it from every angle and get into the the nuance of the situation. You know, these are the things that you can't really learn from an Instagram video, right? Where you really dive in and understand the nuance and the deeper levels of each conversation. And what I want to speak about today specifically is how to let go and move on from a relationship in the healthiest way possible. This is one of those things that I think, you know, we've all been through it, first of all. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's a single person out there that hasn't had their just heart crushed at some point and have just really struggled to to move on and to let go and to really just accept it and heal from it and move on. And I know like first time I had my heart broken, like really, really heartbroken. I was 16 years old. And it was like, I mean, it was like a pain I had never felt before. It was, it was intense. And it like, honestly, and, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't because I was doing the healthy healing work around it. You know, I was not doing that. I was, I was not doing anything. I was actually doing a lot of destructive stuff, but like it really, if I'm honest, it took me close to a decade to really release that and get over it. Probably like, probably like seven, eight years to really move through that. And what I've learned over the years and, you know, doing this work and coaching lots of people and working with a lot of these situations is I've learned that there are faster ways to move through it. You know, it doesn't have to take eight, 10 years, you know, a decade long. I mean, I've known people that have never gotten over it, right? Like I've known people that have, you know, gone through a divorce or a separation or something like that. And that divorce defined the rest of their lives. Like I remember my sister's father, my, uh, my half sister, Jenny, her father, uh, is a really good example of that where, you know, I, I think him being with my mom was like the, uh, like the highlight of his entire life. It was, it was like, you know, the best thing that ever happened to him in his entire life. And when he lost that relationship, he never really recovered from that. And that, that separation defined his entire life. So there's, there's really like a spectrum here, right? And when we go through a breakup or we go through a separation from someone, you know, there's the possibility to really heal from that relatively quickly to, to reframe it for ourselves, to understand it in a positive light, to heal, release whatever's going on for us around it, to accept it and to move on. And then there is a way of attaching to that relationship and being defined by that relationship, being defined by the loss of that relationship. And that 
avenue, if you choose to go that direction with it, it can really define, like that can go on for as long as you allow it to. Like there's really no end to that. Like, you know, it, it really comes down to a choice you make. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about like all the, all the subtleties that, that kind of go into this, because I'd say I've probably had two major heartbreaks in my life, you know, two, two heartbreaks that I would say were devastating. You know, I mean, I've been through a lot of relationships and, um, I've definitely, you know, I think the ending of any relationship is sad. You know, there's, there's a, there's a completion of what has taken place, the realization that there's not going to be any more of it, the recognition that you're both going to find other people. You're both going to go in different directions. You're, you know, you used to spend every day together. Now you're going to spend very little or no time together at all. You know, you'll often go in completely different directions, live completely different lives, never even speak again. Right. And the transition of going from, I was in love with this person. This person was my entire world. I saw them every day. I relied on them for everything. We talked, you know, like, like constantly, like, you know, to, to go from that to nothing. I mean, if you're human and you have a heart, like, I I think that's sad no matter how you look at it. Right. And I think anybody, no matter how healed you are, no matter how enlightened you are, like anybody is going to experience some sadness around that. But I would say there have been two relationships in my life that have really devastated me, like really just crushed me, like heartbroken, devastated, like struggling to move on, struggling to get on with my life, struggling to see a future without that person. And, you know, the one was the one I just shared about, which I was 16 years old. It was, I'd say my first love, the, you know, at that age, I thought we were going to spend our lives together. I've shared the story many times, you know, she cheated on me and blindsided me. And anyway, I don't, I don't need to go into the whole story today, but, but that was the one that I say it took almost a decade to get over. And then there was the other one where, you know, actually funny enough, like this was the person I met probably right about the time I was finally moving on from that. I was in my twenties and, um, and I've, I've shared this story many times as well. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard me talk about all this, but that was the, the married woman. Right. And, and we got, we got involved. It was really hot and heavy and the attraction was off the charts. And I thought like, oh my God, like, you know, I've never met someone like this. I didn't know I could have someone like this. And then, and she actually wanted me. And then it was so short lived that, you know, it just got ripped away before we even got into it. And that was really devastating for me because, you know, I I think that relationship in particular was the first time in my life that I was with somebody that was, how do I say it? Like not out of my league, but like, like the maximum of what I thought I could expect to like find. Right. Like, you know, it's like, I never thought I could have someone like this. And and then for a moment I had her and then she was ripped away. Right. And, and then it, 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 so it was, it was devastating in that sense. And you know, I said the first one took me, like I said, maybe seven, eight years to get over. The second one, I got over in less than a year, in a period of several months. And so what I what I kind of learned from these two experiences is there is a way to move through heartbreak and be empowered and become better as a result of it, to become more worthy as a result of it, to become, you know, more... Uh, empowered and connected and attractive, right? There's a way to move through heartbreak and create all of that. 
And then there's a way to move through heartbreak and everything that you hate about yourself just gets worse. Every insecurity that you have just gets bigger. Every fear that you have, like it, it all, it just magnifies all the negative stuff. And so for anyone who's out there right now, and I, I mean, I know you're out there, right? Like you can, this is, this is the condition, right? As we, as we're going through life, as we're dating, as we're meeting people, as we're engaging, like heartbreak kind of comes with the territory. I don't think any of us have made it through any of this without heartbreak. So I know some of you are out there. I know you're going through this. I know you're grieving the loss, some of you of, of different people in your life. And, and what I want to really ground for you, if you're in that position right now, is that there is a way to move through this that is healthy and uplifting and empowering. And there is a way to move through this that is not that. And what I want to do today is really help you understand what is needed to move through it in a healthy way and also help you understand all the reasons why you might not choose that for yourself, right? Like what is it that attracts us to this unhealthy way of moving on from a relationship? What is it that keeps us stuck in the pining and the grieving and the sadness and the loss and never really being able to pick up from that and move on? Like, what is that about and why does that happen to us? And to start, I wanna say, there are really two things that need to happen when you're letting go of someone, when you're moving on from a relationship. There are really two things that need to happen to heal. And I would say one needs to happen at the level of the mind. And I mean the conscious mind, right? Not, not your deep subconscious thoughts, but the conscious mind, like the, the part of your mind that you hear yourself thinking, that you're, you know, talking things out in your mind, working things out in your mind. You've got you've to shift that perspective to a, a relationship with the situation that is empowering, that leaves uh that leaves the opportunity for a bright future that leaves the opportunity for love in your future that you understand that this you know that, that this is not that all is not lost here right and you need to be able to mentally see the situation and frame it that way for yourself the other thing that needs to happen is you need to be able to emotionally release whatever you're holding on to that is keeping you stuck in that relationship. And this is, this is where I wanna say that a lot of what you're experiencing doesn't even have anything to do with that relationship, right? So there's, there's, there's this need to release what I'm holding on to emotionally but also the recognition that what I'm really working through emotionally isn't even really about this relationship. This is about decades old stuff that I've been carrying before I even met this person. And what's happening now is, is I've, so I've met somebody, right? And, and my relationship with this person is giving me access to feelings that I normally can't feel on my own. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when I meet somebody, let's say I'll take my high school girlfriend because this is, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to learn this at the time. Okay. Like I was, I was way too like fucked up. I'll just say like when I was in high school, you know, like the traumatic home life I had 
and the the like dark influences that were in my life and the lack of awareness and like positive like I just was not in a place where I could where I could have even moved through this in any kind of healthy way. But as I look back on that and I can see why it happened and how it happened and I can I can understand what was happening for me at that time. I can also see why it hurt me so badly and why it took me so many years to move through it. And, and so this is what I want to say, like, let's, let's look at a few things here and I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way back to like my childhood because this is really where it all started. And for, for anyone who's going through a loss right now, if you're grieving the loss of someone you loved, if you feel like, oh my God, I'll never be happy again. If you're just like, what do I have to do to get them to want me back? Like if you're, if you're stuck in all of that right now, I really want you to listen to what I'm about to share because like this is going to shed some light on your situation if you're willing to see it and you're willing to hear it. So if I go all the way back to my childhood, right? And, and if I look at how it started for me, Okay. And I, I've shared, those of you who have listened to the podcast for a long time, I've probably shared some of this before, but I'm going to share it again now because it is, it, it's very relevant to what we're talking about. So there were really two influences in my childhood that shaped my identity and they shaped the way I, I saw myself, who I thought I was, my relationship with other people, my relationship to life, what I thought was possible for me, available to me, what I thought I was worthy of, all of this. There were really two major factors in my childhood that shaped this. One was the fact that I grew up in poverty. The other was the fact that my mother was a religious extremist, okay? So now why are these two factors so important? Because they shaped my relationship with myself and my relationship with everyone and everything else. Now, you may have grown up in a wealthy family that wasn't religious at all, right? So you might say, well, how does this apply to me? Well, the way it applies to you is that you had your own factors, right? So maybe your factors were the fact that you had lots of money and that you, that you like weren't religious at all. And maybe that shaped your identity, right? So it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are. What matters is your ability to understand how the circumstances impacted you, how the circumstances shaped the way you see yourself and life as a whole and your relationship to life as a whole, right? Like what, like when you're a kid, you're trying to figure out like, what is my place in this big old world? I'm this very tiny thing in this big old world and I'm trying to find my place in it, right? So, so that's, as a child, when you're trying to find your place in this big old world, whatever conclusions you draw about what that place is, that becomes your identity. I hope that makes sense what I just said. And so when I was a child, I, as I said, I grew up in poverty. You know, I remember like we got food from the church. My mom couldn't really afford groceries. You know, uh, I mean, if like there was a, a class trip or a birthday party or something that required money, like a lot of times I couldn't go, you know, like kids would be at school with the new toys and stuff and the new Pokemon cards and things like that. And like, I didn't get that right. At least, at least sometimes I would, but not to the degree that it seemed like other people were getting it right. So, so my whole childhood, there was this sense of, I have less than other people. Therefore, I am less than other people. Right now, this wasn't anything that was told to me. 
Nobody sat me down and said, listen, Shane, like you have less than other people, therefore you are less than other people. But what we all do is we look at what's outside of us and we compare ourselves, like we find our relationship to what's outside of us. And, and that makes, that helps us understand who we are, or at least gives us a, a basis of understanding who we are. And so as I'm looking around and it seems like all the other kids have so much more than me and I have so much less than them and they can do things I can't do. And you know, they, they have access to things I don't have access to. I started to develop a sense of, I am less than other people. My family is less than other families. My mother is less than other mothers, right? And I come from that. So that all spills down to me. Now, the, the second thing is the religious extremism, which, you know, that, that goes hand in hand with what I just said. It's another version of it, right? Because there were a lot of rules placed on me because of my mother's religion that ostracized me from what I saw everyone else doing. So other people were allowed to watch movies and TV shows I wasn't allowed to watch. You know, other people's parents like treated them differently. There was a, there was a freedom in their life that I didn't have because my life was full of all this restriction of, you know, God says this and the church says this and you need to do this. And like, I don't want to get into every little detail about it, but just suffice it to say that these two impressions were themes in my childhood that shaped my identity. They shaped my relationship with life and everything and people around me. And they, they told me who I was and what I deserved and what I was made of and where I come from and all of that, right? So now, fast forward 10 years, 15 years, something like that, right? Somewhere between 10 and 15 years when I meet this girl in high school and she becomes my first love. Now, if we even look at the framework that led me into that relationship. Like of all the girls in school, why her? Right? Like, did you ever ask yourself that question? Like if you look, if you look back at your past relationships, did you ever ask yourself like, why them? Like of all the people, of all the girls in school, of all the boys in school, school, of all the, you know, of all the people, like why that person? And what I want to illuminate is it's not an accident that you ended up with that person, whoever it was. And that could be in high school, that could be in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, anybody you've ever ended up with in your life, it was not an accident. It was not an accident because that person showed up for you in a way where they played into your belief systems and they played into your identity in a way that you thought they were a good match for you. Now, I want to clarify something here. It doesn't mean that they were the best possible match for you. It means that within your limited view of yourself, they were the best you thought you could get. Or they were, how do I want to say this? It's like the best you thought you could get or the most compatible or the, the most likely to work out, right? But it's not based on truth. It's not based on who you really are. It's based on your limited idea of who you are in your own mind, based on your upbringing, based on the impressions you got as you compared yourself to the other kids in school and so on, right? You develop this identity that then you believe that's who you are. And then when you go looking for love, you don't look for love in the ultimate sense. You look for love through this identity, right? If this is who I believe I am, how does that translate to what I believe I can expect from love? I hope this is making sense. If this makes sense, just tap that hard a few times. I want to make sure everyone's getting this. 
So fast forward to, you know, 10 years later, I'm in high school. I meet this girl. She becomes my first love, my high school girlfriend. Okay. Now, was she the best match for me? Like, honestly, no, she wasn't. Like, there were probably so many girls in my school that would have been a better match for me. But the thing is, I didn't believe I was worthy of them. I didn't believe they would want me back. I didn't believe I was attractive enough or lovable enough or likable enough or cool enough or whatever it was that they would actually like me back. And so when I'm looking out at what's possible for me, I'm looking at it from a very limited perspective. I'm looking at it from a very fear-based perspective. And she fit into this perfect space, I'll call it, of what I believed I was worthy of combined with what I was attracted to, combined with all the little ways that she satisfied my ego. And, and, and you know, it was the perfect storm of all of this that we ended up together. And, and she had her own version of that, which is why she ended up with me. And I don't necessarily know what that was, right? Now, if we look at that, right? So starting out, and, and I know I'm talking about a high school situation here, but believe me, this applies to your adult situations too. Okay, this applies to every single relationship of your life. <laughs> like it was never an accident. You ended up with that person because they fit into your belief system and they fit in with your identity in that way. So again, not the best match for me, not my ideal match, but the best based on what I thought I could have, who I thought would like me back, what I believed was possible, what I believed was available for me. She was the maximum possibility within that context, okay? So now I'm already starting out in a relationship that's doomed to fail. And I want you, I want you to get that right now. When I say... When I say that this person you find that's the best possible match within your limited identity, that relationship is already doomed to fail because it's not based in truth. It's not a reflection of who you truly are. It's a reflection of who you believe you are in a limited identity. That relationship is already doomed to fail. From the moment I met her, our relationship was already doomed to fail. I didn't have the wisdom to see that back then. I was a kid. I didn't know any better. But that was the truth of the situation, right? So now what happens? Well, what happens is I have these severely limiting beliefs about my worthiness, about, you know, my likability, my attractiveness, if I'm wanted, if I'm like all of that, right? And so now that I've found someone who fits this perfect combination of all of it, right? She just, she was like a puzzle piece that just fit into that perfectly, right? Now that's rare. And, and I want you to hear this because so many people tell me, they're like, oh, I've never had a connection like this. It's, it's so amazing. It's so magical. I, I've never met anyone like this. I don't know if I'll ever meet anyone like this again. Well, that's why, right? Because you've made it so impossible, with all these limiting beliefs and all the limited ideas about yourself and all the scarcity of how you can never find anything and it's so hard and connection is so rare that when you actually find someone that can somehow make it through all those limitations, it does feel like, oh my God, this is amazing. It'll never happen again. Because you've put up so many barriers 
that for someone to actually get through all of that, when they finally do get through, it does seem like they fit like a perfect puzzle piece. And that's what happened to me. And so now, here I am, 16 years old, never been in love before, never had a member of the opposite sex want me like this, right? And and it's like, it's really in a lot of ways, like more than I could handle. I mean, it wasn't more than I could handle. I could handle it. But, but it was like, I didn't have the maturity to really understand what was happening to me. And so I fall head over heels in love with this person. And I start thinking to myself that I need to keep this person for life. Why do I start thinking that? Well, because it took me 16 years to find her. You know, I don't want to be alone for another 16 years, right? Like, like, you know, like I start thinking I need to keep this person for life. I wasn't mature enough to understand that relationships come and relationships go. And you learn from like, I didn't have the maturity to understand all of that, right? So now we go through the course of our relationship. It lasted about a year. And then she cheats on me, blindsides me, break up with me. And I'm freaking devastated. Like I am crushed. Like I don't. One of the most painful experiences of my life, like after that, I turned to drugs and like, I would just, I would just like sit in sorrow and suffering for years after that. And like the idea of having another girl want me after that, like it felt impossible. Like, like if, if you understand the position that I put myself in, and I know I'm not only talking about myself here, okay, because you've done this too. And if you imagine the position that I put myself in here, where starting out, I felt unwanted, unlovable, unattractive, all of this stuff. And then I find someone who, despite all of that, loves me and wants me and is attracted to me. And then I think, oh my God, I have to hold on to her because this never happens. And if I lose her, this is never going to happen again. And so for the whole time that we're together, I've built this relationship with our relationship. That, that says like, oh my God, like if I ever lose her, like I'll, like I'll never find this again. And that's what I've been building up in my mind. So now, of course, when I do lose her, it crushes me. I feel completely lost. I feel completely unworthy. The one person in my whole life who thought I was worthy has now decided I'm not. That's hard to recover from. Now, this happened to me when I was 16 years old, and it couldn't have happened any other way, right? And because, again, I was, I was living, I had a lot of trauma in my upbringing. My, I was living with my father at the time. He was like a toxic nightmare, and like the, the trauma I was experiencing on a daily basis in my home was just devastating. I was addicted to drugs. Like, I mean, like I was in a really, really dark place. So this relationship couldn't have happened any other way, right? There was no, there was no way I was going to move through this in a healthy way. But as we, you know, I want to say this, like when we're young, it can't happen any other way because, you know, when you're 16 years old, when, when you're a child, like you you haven't you haven't had enough time to really reflect on your life to learn to come to new insights new understandings to grow to to become better you haven't really had enough time 
to go through all of that. But as an adult, if this is happening for you over and over and over again, and I see some of the comments right now, people are saying like, I've been doing this my whole life. Well, you've got to start to, you've got to start to ask yourself, why does it keep happening to me like this? Right? It, it's perfectly understandable that it happens at 16 years old. But then if it happens again at 26 and it happens again at 36 and it happens again at 46, like you've got to start asking yourself, like, what do I have to do to change my relationship with all of this? Like, like I can't keep showing up to my new adult relationships the same way I did when I was 16 years old, right? I've got to do some personal work here so I can have a new relationship with myself so that when I show up to a relationship, I relate to it differently. And by the way, I just want to put this out there real quick is if you're wondering, okay, well, how do I do that? I would say like, that's, that would be one of the best reasons to go to my inspired love program, right? If you see this pattern happening over and over and over again, if you see like every time you lose a relationship, it's devastating for you and you're not growing into this expanded awareness of like, it's okay to let someone go. Like I can release someone, I can release a relationship, I can grieve it, I can let it go, but it's not going to define me. I'm not going to lose myself in the loss of a relationship. Like if you haven't figured out how to make that transition yet, that's what we do in the Inspired Love Program. We teach you how to do that. One of many things we do. But so I'd say like that would be a great reason to, to take that action right there. So as, as an adult, and I, I'll come back around to my second heartbreak now because this was when I was 24 and I got involved with that married woman and we were together for a couple of months and then it was another blindsided situation and, and it, you know, it was another devastating thing, right? And here I was once again finding myself in a position of it was a little bit different because I'd done a lot of growing up and I'd learned a lot, but it was a little bit different because this was somebody that I thought was the maximum for me. This was somebody I thought like, if I, if I could imagine what my dream woman looks like, like this is her. Now it wasn't her like, okay. Like, I mean, oh my God, was it not her? But again, at the time from my limited perspective, from my limited identity, from my limited relationship with myself, not really knowing my true worth, not really knowing how amazing I was, not having the confidence to back that up and bringing that to a relationship, right? From this limited identity, here's this woman I see and I go, oh my God, she's amazing. And she actually wants me. I can't lose her. And so the same way I did when I was 16 years old, yes, there was a slightly different flavor. There was a slightly different relationship to it. But for the most part, the exact same thing I did when I was 16 years old, I did it again at 24. And I was devastated again. So what, what's happening here that's causing, like, first we've got to ask ourselves, why does it hurt so bad when someone leaves? Because of course, there's, there's a natural grieving that takes place, right? And you go through all the stages of grief. You go through denial and anger and sadness and bargaining. And, you know, you go through all the stages of grief until you finally reach acceptance. And that's a normal process that we go through when things change in our life. 
We go through it in big ways with like the death of a loved one. We go through it in small ways. If like, you know, we have a change at work or a change in a friendship or something like that, right? But but the, the stages are the same. There's like an emotional process that we have to move through when a major change happens in our life. But grieving, grieving a relationship in a natural way does not have to be devastating. And so when it's devastating, you've got to ask yourself, what is making it so devastating? And the first thing I pointed out already is the way we go into it. We go into it from a limited identity, thinking this is the best I can hope for. And if I lose this, I'm losing everything. The two times in my life that I have experienced major, major heartbreak, I started the relationship on that foundation. And I would suggest that anytime somebody is experiencing a devastation around a relationship ending. There's some of that going on there. Now, what we've also got to look at here is where does that come from, right? And, and I spoke about this a little bit, right? I shared about my childhood, my mother, the impressions I was raised with, how that shaped my identity, right? So you've got to look at what is the identity that I'm living from that makes me think this is the best I can hope for. Like, how am I framing this whole situation for myself that I feel like I'm so unworthy that nobody that I want will want me back, that the people I'm attracted to will not also be attracted to me? And so when it happens, it's this rare, special occurrence. It's like, oh my God, I got to hang on to it. Right? There's this scarcity mentality of like, like there aren't actually 8 billion people in the world who all want love on some level. Right? Like there, like there aren't, like there isn't somebody out there who's a perfect match for me thinking and dreaming about the same thing I'm dreaming about, which is true for everybody. I mean, whatever you're dreaming about, there's someone out there dreaming about the same thing. And if the, and if somebody leaves you, the only thing it means is that the, the universe is taking something that wasn't right for you out of your life so you can open up to more of what is right for you. But what prevents us from seeing that, right? What prevents us from seeing that is our own relationship with ourselves. You see, when I feel that I am not enough for that, I will not be able to believe that is the truth for me and I will try to hang on to whatever I have. And so when somebody leaves you, when somebody makes the decision for themselves that this is not what I want for my life, you know, I don't see a future with you. I don't think we're compatible. I'm, I'm looking for something different for whatever reason that might be. When somebody leaves you and you feel that devastation, what they are bringing up, what they are activating is, how do I want to say this? It's an old feeling from a long time ago that happened very, very early in your life, probably sometime before the age of seven. 
some feeling of abandonment, of loss, of unworthiness, of being left alone, of being disregarded. Probably happened in relationship with your parents in some way. It could have happened in another way too, but probably it was something that happened in relationship with your parents that made you just feel like the way I, the way I talk about it in inspired love is that it makes you feel like you don't even deserve to exist, right? It's this deep, deep pain and this deep, deep sadness that just, I'm not wanted. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Like, why do I even exist? And what happens is at some point early in our life, we experience that for whatever reason, anything could bring it on. It may have been something big. It may have been something small, may have been some kind of abuse. It may have been some kind of rejection. It may have been some kind of abandonment or neglect. It may have been something that doesn't even seem like that big of a deal, but the way it affected you as a child, it was actually a really big deal, right? So it doesn't matter so much what the thing was. What matters is how it impacted you emotionally. And then what happens is from the time you experience that pain, that sadness, that it's like a feeling of emptiness inside of you. And you experience it when you're very, very young. And then from that point moving forward, we try to, we try to make up for that. We try to resolve that. We try to find a life situation that's going to protect me from ever feeling that again. Right? If I can, if I can get the right partner and the right job and I can make plenty of money and I can feel very safe and secure and I can have the love and attention of someone else and they worship the ground I walk on and they adore me and they think I'm the greatest thing in the world. Right? And if I can just get everything I want and I can make my life look beautiful all the way around, then there will never be anything that touches that deep emptiness inside of me and causes me to feel that pain. And what, what happens is we spend our lives kind of running from that pain inside of us. And we try to collect experiences. We go on trips and we make friends and we go out and party and we get involved in relationships and we make money and we buy things and we dress ourselves up and look really nice. And, you know, we do all this stuff to try to protect ourselves from feeling that pain that, that's inside of us. But what ends up happening for most of us is we just kind of run from it and run from it and run from it. And so we get involved in a relationship and while we're in that relationship, it's like a bandaid on that pain. And you know, it's really interesting because if you even look at, if you even look at what happens in a relationship, it's like it, the, the illusion is that it protects you from that pain, but it really doesn't, right? It really doesn't protect you from that pain because every time something goes wrong in the relationship, that pain is right there. And then you're constantly caught in this struggle of trying to make the relationship be the way it needs to be so that you never feel that pain. 
And you're like, how do I get more attention from my partner? How do I get him to do things, do the things I want to do? How do I get him to be more romantic? How do I get him to be more consistent? How do I get him to show up more? How do I get him to blah, 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 right? Like it's just never ending. So it's funny because you meet someone and you like them and you go, oh my God, I'm in love. I'm never going to feel that pain again. And then all of a sudden you see that maybe they're attracted to someone else and you go, there's that pain right there. They're attracted to someone else and the pain is right there. And so you spend your whole relationship with this person trying to get it to be perfect so that you never feel that pain. But then when that person leaves you, well, now the game is up, right? When that person leaves, it's like, well, now there's nothing you can do to prevent feeling the pain. There's no conversation you can have. There's no request you can make. There's no way you can push it or force it, right? They're gone. Your solution has left. Your magic pill, you know, you lost your prescription now. And so now the pain is just there and you have to deal with it. And a lot of times this is where we turn to other destructive behaviors, different forms of acting out, you know, drinking, drugging, going out to the bar and going home with that person you barely know just so you don't have to go home alone, right? All the all the things we do to just try to avoid that pain. And the more we try to avoid that pain, the more it becomes like a monkey on your back. It's just like following you around and you're constantly trying to stay ahead of it. But every time you turn around, it's right there. And so the biggest thing that needs to happen and for anyone who's going through a loss right now, for anyone who's struggling to let go or release a relationship, what you've got to realize is that the pain that you're feeling is not really about the loss of that person. That pain is something that you've been running from your entire life. And you thought that person was a solution to that pain, but they really weren't. They really could never be even under perfect circumstances, they still couldn't be that. And in fact, one of the reasons so many relationships don't work out is because we go into them expecting them to resolve the pain and then they don't. And then we get resentful about it. And then we fight so much that the relationship falls apart. Whereas if we had learned how to deal with that pain before going into the relationship, we wouldn't have dumped all of that pain onto the relationship and the relationship actually might have had a fighting chance. And so if you're grieving right now and specifically grieving the loss of a relationship, what I want you to do is recognize that the suffering that you're feeling, and I get it, it's intense, it's real. I mean, I remember like just laying in my bed. I I used to like, I used to just get so high and then lay in my bed and blast some like depressing grungy music and just like, and just sit there and wallow. Like my, my later years of high school, that's a lot of what I did because the pain was so intense and I didn't know what to deal with. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to heal from it. It was like literally debilitating. And so 
what you've got to do is recognize that, okay, look, this is something that I've been dealing with my whole life. Like look back, look back to middle school, right? And just look back to middle school and think about like how much you wanted to fit in and how you did it or didn't do it. And like everything you had to do and all the ways you tried to get people's approval. And, and maybe you just decided like, I'm not going to fit in. And so you just isolated and you just stuck to your little group of friends. But deep down, you still wanted to be liked and you still wanted to be acceptance. And that there's just a little pain you had to carry with you. Right. And look at like, look at like all the missed opportunities and all the times in your life that you, that you like didn't go for things because you were too afraid of failing or, or how you would be received or that it wouldn't work out for you. Like just, just look at all these different things in your life and start to realize that they're all symptomatic of this pain that you've been carrying. And if you can realize that, if you can see this thread of like unworthiness and suffering that has been underlying all your life experiences, and you can actually say to yourself, like, that is what I need to heal from. I don't need to heal from the loss of this relationship. I need to heal from the pain I've been carrying with me that got me into this relationship in the first place. Right? Like, like really think about that for a minute. And then what you can start to do, and, you know, it, it almost sounds counterintuitive because, like, we've spent our whole lives in a pleasure-pain dynamic, right? Running towards pleasure, running away from pain. This makes me feel good. I just want more and more of it. This makes me feel bad. I just want to get away from it. Right. But when you reach this realization and you see like there's no escaping this running into another relationship is not going to resolve it. And what most of us do when we go through a breakup is we just survive it. We don't really heal. We just survive. And then after we've survived it and we just feel like our egos have like gotten back together to some degree where we feel like we can be a functioning human being again. And then we just go out and recreate it, same exact thing again. The pain hasn't left. It's just sunk back into the recesses of our mind. And then we, we're still running from it, whether we realize it or not. And then we just go run right into another relationship and we repeat the dynamic over again. And we say this time it'll be different, but it's not different. Right? So when you reach that point where you realize there is no escaping this, Running from relationship to relationship doesn't help. Running from one person's bedroom to another person's bedroom doesn't help, right? Going out and drinking or drugging or eating or like whatever, it just doesn't help. Like nothing helps it. So then what you start to do, and I would recommend like doing this with some support. So, you know, again, if, if you join me in Inspired Love, that would be a great way to support you in this process. If you work with a therapist or a coach one-on-one, -on -one, like that would be a great way to get support in this process. But I would recommend doing it with some support. And what happens is instead of turning away from the pain and the emptiness, you start turning towards it. And you start saying to yourself, like, what do I need to heal here? Like, what do I need to feel? What do I need to come to terms with? What do I need to accept? And... There's a, there's a somatic aspect of this 
where you start to feel all the repressed emotion that you've been carrying in your body. And this is something I talk about a lot. And I'm not going to go too much into it today because I've talked about it in so many podcast episodes. But it's, it's the place where you start to become willing to feel all the things that you've tried not to feel your whole life. You become willing to feel those things. You become willing to be with them, willing to let them move through your body. And it can be very uncomfortable. But I want to say when it comes to when it comes to increasing your worthiness, increasing your own identity and the way you see yourself and the way you feel about yourself and what you believe is possible for you, the kind of love that you believe you can have, like really, really feeling that the person that you want, not, not in your limited sense of like, well, I think I could get this person, but like really when you, when you have that ultimate dream, Right, that ultimate dream, like like since you were a little kid and you thought about what your partner would be like and the love you would have and how you would be with each other and the things you would do together and the way you would treat each other and talk to each other and support each like you know, like that that childhood dream of love that's not that's not uh, filtered through all our trauma and all our suffering and all our disappointment. And you really think about that and you really like feeling in your heart, like I could actually have that. Like that could actually be a reality for me. Like somebody could love me on that level and I could love them back and we could build a life together. Right? The biggest thing you can do to actually feel in your body that that, that could be a reality for you is to start feeling everything that makes you believe that can't be a reality. I'm going to say that again because that might be a little confusing the way I said it. So the best thing you can do to feel that you could ultimately have your dreams come true in the realest way is to be willing to feel everything that's inside of you that makes you think those dreams couldn't come true. And so what starts to happen is there's a kind of surrender where I don't need to control my experience anymore. I don't need to protect myself from things anymore. I don't need to avoid anything anymore. I can actually open myself up and allow myself to feel all of it. And then what starts to happen is there's like, there's like a fearlessness that develops within you because when you, when there's nothing that you are unwilling to feel, there's nothing that you will ever avoid in your life either. And so what do I mean by that? I mean that all of, all of the times in your life that you settled for less than you deserve, all of the times in your life that you accepted less than you should have, 
all of the times in your life that you subjected yourself to treatment that was not right for you, or you pined over people that, that like didn't even deserve you in the first place, right? Like all of this stuff, the reason you were doing all of that was because there was something that you didn't want to feel. And all of those things were strategies that were protecting you from feeling those painful feelings. But when you get to a place where there's nothing you're unwilling to feel, then you're not going to subject yourself to those kinds of things anymore, right? When there's, when there's nothing inside of you that you're running from, you will let a relationship go. And you might feel some things around it. Like, look, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to pretend like I'm enlightened about this stuff. Like if, if my wife came to me today and she was like, I don't want this anymore. I would feel that like a hundred percent. I would feel the loss. It, it, it would be like a loved one died. It would be the exact same thing. Like if my mom died or my dog died, right? Like it, it would be like the exact same thing. I would feel like that deep sense of loss. But here's what's different about me now than when I was 16 years old. And this is why I'm confident, like God forbid that were to happen, I know I could go through it differently. Because one, I would not avoid the experience. I would open myself up to it. I would, I would dive in with my therapist. I would probably hire like a, some, some coach that I really respected. I would dive into it, all of it, everything that was around it. I would dive right into it. I would have underlying it. Like this is, this is the thing is, you know, my wife and I have an amazing marriage. It's deep. It's passionate. It's fulfilled. We love each other. We care for each other. We, we do our best to meet each other's needs. Like we have fun together. We adventure, we travel. Like we have an amazing marriage. It's, 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 it's incredible. But I don't feel that it's my only option in the world. And she doesn't feel that either. And so it's not that we're here because she loves me and I don't think anyone else would. And so I better hang on to her, right? We're here because of all the options available to us. This is the one we choose. Now I'm going to say like, largely, I haven't really been in a relationship like that before this. I mean, maybe, maybe some of my more recent relationships before I met my wife were like touching on that. I was getting close to it, but like, that, that's just our truth, right? Like we, we both knew we had a lot of options. We were actively dating. We were meeting people. We were in communities that were full of amazing people. We met awesome people all the time. Like both of us, if, if we wanted to, like our, our date calendars would have been full with high quality people. So out of all of that, we chose each other. But you see, that's a foundation that we started on because of all the healing work we did prior to meeting each other. And so if we were to lose this relationship, yes, the grief would be there. The sadness would be there. I mean, we would have to go through all the phases of denial and anger and bargaining and sadness. And, you know, we would have to go through all the phases and we would grieve this process. But the grieving would be different because we wouldn't be pining for it. 
we wouldn't feel that we had lost something that was irreplaceable. We wouldn't feel that this was our one shot at happiness and now it's gone. And so what what I want to say, and I said this in the beginning, is there are two things that need to happen here. The first one is the one I've I've talked about already, right? You need to somatically release and feel through all the pain you've been carrying that is leading you into these relationships to begin with. That's the first thing that needs to happen. The second thing that needs to happen is you need to have the proper mindset moving forward. And and I would say these two things kind of go hand in hand because if you haven't if you haven't done the somatic work to release the emotional baggage that you've been carrying, then you're not going to be able to have the right mindset. So these two things go hand in hand because you have to recognize that like nobody, no person is your opportunity for happiness. Let me put it this way. The only person that's your opportunity for happiness is who? It's you. Right? Like that's the only person that is your one opportunity for happiness. Everything else in life, relationships, money, cars, careers, travel, adventure, those are like the icing on the cake. Those are like the things you do with your happiness. Right? I'm going to take my happiness and bring it to a relationship. I'm going to take my happiness and bring it on this adventure. Right? Those are not things you do to get happiness. Those are things that you do to share your happiness with the world. To express your happiness in the world. So, by doing the first piece of it, which is the willingness to feel everything, the willingness to not run and hide from yourself, the willingness to not avoid your own pain and your own emotions, Right? If you've done the first part of the work, then the second part follows very naturally where you can understand, like as, as a rational, mature adult, you know, like if, if my wife were to leave me today, and I don't think she's going to, I, I think we are very much in love and we, you know, like, I don't think that's going to happen. But if she were to come home today and be like, I don't want this anymore. Like, I would be crushed. I would, I would, I would like be crushed by that. And there would be, there would be a period of maybe a month or two of just getting my feet on the ground, right? Of just, of just going like, okay, what does my life look like without this relationship? But even that's different from how it was. Like, like when, when my 16 year old girlfriend broke up with me, Right. It, I didn't, I didn't immediately go to, okay, what does my life look like without this relationship? I went to, oh my God, what do I have to do to get her back? Right. And so I wasn't even like for, for years, I wasn't even moving on. Like I was just thinking like, how could I get her back? Right. So there would be a period of like, okay, just, just starting to understand myself who am I without this relationship, right? If I'm alone in the world, who am I? What does that mean? How am I going to rebuild my identity rather than being someone who's part of a partnership? I'm someone who's myself, 
without that in the world, right? And I, I would need to create an identity around that. And that would take some time because like, honestly, at this point, I don't know who I am without her. She's been a part of my life for so long that I don't know who I am without her. And I, that's not codependency. That's not unhealthy. That's just the, the reality of my life. I live my life as a part of this unit. All of the decisions I make for my life are take like her, she's taken into consideration in those decisions. That's just my identity right now. That's who I am in this moment of my life. That's how I've been living for the last seven years. Now, there, there is an unhealthy codependent version of that, but that's not what we have, right? And so if, if we were to separate, there would be this transition process. The, the person that I know myself to be right now would die. And a new version of myself would be reborn. And what I would do is I would willingly throw myself into that process. I would willingly throw myself into that process. And I would work with my therapist. Again, I would probably hire a coach that is that like specifically deals with this. And I would, I would start imagining, okay, like where, what does my life look like without this person in it? And I would start creating a vision of that. And I would start taking action, like very specific action into that vision. Like I would start consciously creating my single life. Like I want you to think about like how different is that from what most of us do when we go through a breakup? It's very, very different. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying this would be easy or effortless or painless. Like I would be feeling it every step of the way. But what happens to most of us when we go through a breakup is our feelings suffocate us. It's like the weight of our feelings is so heavy that we can't even breathe. And like the only solution we see is to get that person back. It's like the suffering is so dense and so heavy and so suffocating that it, like it completely suffocates my whole perspective on everything. And the only relief I can imagine is getting that person back. And what I want to say, and I say this with much love, is that if that is your experience of a breakup, it's because you are carrying a lot of unresolved emotion that was there before you even met that person. You're carrying a lifetime of unresolved emotion and you were hoping that your relationship with this person would resolve it. But when you're not carrying all of that, it looks very different because I, I want everyone to hear what I'm about to say. Breakups are always a good thing. Divorce, separation is always a good thing. Now that might sound like very counterintuitive. Like we've, we've been conditioned to believe that those are one of the worst things that can happen. You know, there, there's a comedian I like, he does a joke about it. He's like, he's like, when your friend gets divorced and you go to him and you say, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like, 
Don't do that because you're making him feel very guilty about being really happy. Now, again, I know not everybody's happy, right? But but the, the point the comedian was making is like, you know, sometimes like that relationship has been over for a long time and that person is finally creating a new life for themselves. And then you look at them and you say, I'm sorry for your loss. And it's like, they actually feel free for the first time in, in maybe years and you're making them feel bad about that, right? And, and like what you've got to recognize is good relationships don't end. I mean, I, the one exception, okay, would be like if somebody dies. And I mean, like I think about what it would be like if my wife ever died. And I, I mean, that would be like truly devastating. Like I would, I would go through a very, very intense grieving process if that ever happened. But like, let's just, let's just not talk about that right now because we're talking about breaking up and separating and divorcing, right? And like good relationships don't end. They don't separate. They don't divorce. Like it would be very, very sad if there were two people who really loved each other and were really committed to each other and were working so hard to have an amazing relationship and they broke up. That would be devastating. But that has never, ever happened. Right? Like, like when people are committed and invested and deeply in love and working on the relationship, they don't break up. And sometimes there's one person who is in love and investing and working on the relationship and the other person leaves them. And you might say, well, Shane, that's tragic. Well, that is kind of tragic. I'll agree with you. But here's, here's the catch is that other person wasn't invested. So even though it's tragic, even though it's heartbreaking, it is still a good thing. So you've got to recognize that when a relationship ends, that is a good thing. And you've got to, you've got to understand that even though it hurts and even though you're grieving and even though you're going through the sadness and the loss and you will, and there is a process, that's what the stages of grief are, right? The stages of grief are the emotional process that a human being goes through when they are going through a major life transition. It's just a natural part of the process. You go through these emotional fluctuations of denial and anger and sadness and bargaining and right, it's part of the process. But if as you're going through that process, you can mentalize yourself that, hey, this is a good thing. Why is it a good thing? Because I don't want someone who doesn't want me. Like, yes, maybe I was really in love with them. And maybe I was really trying to make this relationship work. But you know what? Even if that's the case, and even if I'm disillusioned and let down and heartbroken and, and sad, at the end of the day, I don't want someone who doesn't want me. And so losing that person could only make my life better. Like, like even, even if I'm alone for the rest of my life, which is highly unlikely given how many people there are in the world that are looking for love. Okay, like the idea that anybody would be alone forever if you want a relationship is very, very unlikely. It's very unlikely. But even if I was alone for the rest of my life, even that would be better 
than spending my whole life in a relationship with someone who doesn't want me. And a, a, lot of, a lot of us, you know, especially if you're going through a breakup right now, you might feel like, I don't care what they want. I just want, I just want to be with them, <laughs> right? But like, and that's your pain talking. That's your grief talking. But when you really think about it, like think about how painful it would be to spend your whole life looking into the eyes of someone that you love and knowing that they don't love you back. Right? Imagine, imagine spending your whole life living in a home with someone that you love deeply and you care about deeply and you're giving them your very best and you know in your heart that they would rather not be there, that they would rather be somewhere else. Like, think about how painful that really is. Think about how much that would suck and how unworthy you would feel giving your best to someone every day and having them not even care about it. Like you're giving them your best every day and it means nothing to them. Like talk about soul crushing. I mean, I can't imagine anything more soul crushing than that. Like, please, I'll take being alone any day over being in that situation. And so you've got to recognize that, that this person leaving you has actually given you, like they have rescued you from a lifetime of that. They've rescued you from a lifetime of that. That's a good thing. It doesn't feel good. I get it. You're, you're going through a very difficult transition right now, right? You're, you're having to recreate an identity. Who am I without this person? I, I need to create a whole new identity for myself now. That's not comfortable, right? You, you create a whole new vision for your future, you know, where, where this person was in it and now they're not. And now you've got to rewrite the whole script. What's it going to look like? That's very uncomfortable. You know, it brings up questions of why wasn't I enough and what could I have done differently? And, you know, it brings up these things. But at the end of the day, you have been rescued from a life that would have been deeply painful to you. And you've been handed the opportunity to create a life that will be deeply rewarding. Now, whether you will rise to that occasion and create that opportunity, that's up to you. There are no guarantees in life. Like the, the only guarantee, this is the only guarantee in life, is what you find within your own heart and bring out into the world. That's the only guarantee in all of life. So there are no guarantees, right? But when a relationship ends, 
one thing you can know for absolute certain is that you have been rescued from a life that would have been very unhappy and you have been handed the opportunity to create a life that will be deeply fulfilling. That is a promise that is underlying every single breakup, every single divorce. And so I'm going to I'm going to close with this and I'm going to answer some questions now if anybody has a question. So if you have questions, go ahead and start dropping them in the chat and I'll get to them in a moment. Going back to what I said because I really want everyone to connect this here. There are two things that need to happen. One, you need to feel through and release the disconnected emotions that you've been carrying with you throughout your life so that you can see the situation clearly. This is so important because if you have not learned to be with and feel through those emotions and release and heal from them, the only thing you're going to be able to do is wish and beg for that person to come back. That's it. That's the only thing you're going to be able to do. But once you have been through that, you've released, you've healed, you've let go of those block and stuck emotions, you will be able to have a new perspective on the situation. And then you have to choose that perspective. And this is what, like when, when someone's going through a breakup, there are a few things I recommend. Like one, self-care. Like really focus in on self-care, like therapy and or coaching, like get yourself some external help from someone you trust. Um, friends and family, like just spend time with people who love you as much as you can. Um, and and the last piece would be to really actively create a vision for your future and take some action, however small, every single day towards that vision. Now, this requires some strength, right? Because you're, you're, you're feeling the sadness. You're feeling the loss. You're feeling the pain. And so you've got to find in yourself the strength to do these things anyway. You've got to find the strength to do these things anyway. And, and if you do that every single day, and, and the, I think the last one is maybe the most important one, right? Is to actively build a vision for your future that does not include that person and take one action every day, however small, towards that vision. That's how you get through it. And, and I'll just, this is the last thing I'll say, and I said this at the beginning, I'll just say it one more time. Is I have, I have let a, I have let a breakup dominate 10 years of my life in the past. And I've moved through a breakup in a couple of months. The, 
the two situations were very similar in terms of what they activated within me and what they brought up within me. The only difference was how I chose to respond to it. Heartbreak was involved in both. Sadness was involved in both. Loss and questioning myself, like that was involved in both. What made the difference was the choice about how I was going to move through it and the willingness to do the work. In the first one, I avoided, I turned to drugs, I complained, I blamed, I was a victim, I was malicious and spiteful. In the second one, I accepted it. I, rected, I recognized that it was the best thing for me, even though it wasn't what I wanted. It didn't feel good, but I could objectively see that it was the best thing for me. I knew that I had a much brighter future without this person, even if I didn't feel that way in the moment. Objectively, I knew that. And I actively worked every single day to create that bright future. So the choice is really yours. And, and what I'd say, very last thing, is that if you're going through that right now and you feel like you can't move forward, you feel like you're stuck, you feel like you don't know how, then you need to get help. Do not allow this to dominate a decade of your life or more. You're better than that. Get some help. And so I've seen a lot of questions coming in. Um, I'm going to jump to the questions in just a moment, but I want to I want to quickly speak into the Inspired Love Program for a moment because we have recently reopened for enrollment. And um, just in context of this conversation, for anyone who might be going through this right now, I want to let you know how this program could support you. So um, for anyone who maybe has not heard of it before, Inspired Love is my signature process. Um, it's about a three-month-long process, although what we're doing now is we're converting the program from a three-month model to a lifetime model. And I'm especially excited about this because, yes, there's going to be the curriculum that you work through. There are going to be specific modules and exercises and practices we do over the course of about three months. But then once you graduate the program, you're still going to be in it. And so, you know, you could, you could not show up for six months and then go through something in your life six months later and come back and dive in for the coaching and be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. I just came back to get some coaching because this is what's going on for me, right? So like, I'm gonna be there for you as long as you need me. And that's one thing I'm really, really excited about with this version of the program versus we work with we work together for three months and you're done, see you later, right? So, um, so I'm, that's one thing that's very exciting for me about this version of the program. But what I wanna say is that in, in this process, I guide you through specifically understanding the identity that you've been creating since you were a child. I help you understand how that identity began, where it came from, what were the influences that, that you know, culminated and contributed to that identity, and then how did you see yourself as a reflection of that identity? How have relationships shown up for you resulting from that identity, right? So we go all the way back to the beginning. We see what happened for you that shaped the way you saw yourself and thought about yourself. And then how has that played out and contributed to all your relationships throughout your life? 
right? Once you have some clarity around that, then we go into the somatic work. We do um, guided somatic processes around shame. We do breath work. We do a lot of really deep healing where it's, it's, not about, it's not about rationally understanding things the way you do in school, but it's about actually getting into the subconscious mind and the energetics of the body to release the stuck impressions that you've been carrying with you throughout your life. Okay, so it's, again, like most, most learning is like rational, logical learning like you do in school where you get a lecture and then you take notes and you memorize stuff. That's not what this is. We're getting into like the essence of your body, the energetics of your body, the impressions that you've been carrying with you that show up like anxiety day to day, that show up like depression, that show up like you, you know, meeting someone and feeling like you're unworthy and then unconsciously sabotaging the relationship, right? Like, like that's stuff that's happening on a subconscious level. And so I, the, the program really works in three phases. There's awareness, there's forgiveness, and then there's aliveness. So awareness is what I talked about first. It's, it's really understanding, putting the pieces together, understanding how it all connects. Then there's forgiveness. Forgiveness is the releasing, the letting go, the shedding of that old identity, that old energetic body that was keeping you tight and stuck and afraid and filled with anxiety. Right. And then there's aliveness, which is moving forward, creating this new vision for the future, connecting to your passion, letting that be the guiding force in your life. Right. And so the reason I'm sharing this right now is because for anybody who's going through a breakup or for anyone who's going through a loss, the best thing you can do for yourself as you're going through this transition is build yourself back up in the healthiest way possible. Right. And so rather than just surviving it and, you know, over the next couple of years, you somehow put yourself back together and then you go out and recreate this all over again because no real healing has occurred. The best thing you can do is take this opportunity while it's real and while it's raw for you and while it's present for you. Right. And actually use that use those intense feelings that you're going through right now as a catalyst to skyrocket your growth. Like, like what I want to say, this is, this is the gift of suffering is that, that if you're going through a loss or you're suffering right now, the gift in that is that all of your emotions and things that are usually repressed are very raw and available for you right now. And if you spend the next couple years stuffing them all back down and getting control of your life again, nothing is really going to change. But while there's that opening, it's like, a, it's like the pain is so great that it's breaking through all your protections and all your defenses. And there's like an authentic opening here. If you take that opportunity to really work with that, you will, you will grow in a way that you never imagined before. You will experience aspects of yourself that you never even knew were there. You will have insights and awareness and like, it, like it's just, 
it is, it is the best time to work on yourself. And of course, anytime is a good time to work on yourself, right? But, but really, if, if, you're, if you're going through that loss right now, that's the best time for it. Um, and so last thing I want to say about that is the Inspired Love Program. Um, it is open for enrollment right now. We are going to be opening our, our new, um, I'm calling it Inspired Love Unlimited. It's the upgraded, advanced version of the program that is just going to have a hundred times more value than the program has ever had before. And, um, and we, are, we are opening the program November 1st. And we have an early bird special. Um, we've decided to extend it through October 15th because so many people have been reaching out and they're interested. So we just wanted to make the opportunity for as many of you who are interested to get in on that. So we're going to extend it to October 15th. Um, and so you have, you know, you have time to, uh, to get in now. So um, it's the last thing I want to say about that. I'm going to go ahead and jump into some of these questions here. Um, I've seen a lot of questions coming in and thank you for the questions. Let's go ahead and dive in with them. So I'm going to start here with my friend, um, Kaval, uh, good to see you. It's been a while, but great to see you on here. And thanks for dropping in a question. Um, so Kaval says, what do you do when your ex still loves you and still doesn't want closure and you didn't know and has kept a friendship with your sister? Okay, what do you do when your ex still loves you, still doesn't want closure, and you didn't know, and he's kept a friendship with your sister? Okay, great question. Cool question, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that you need to do anything about that other than create your boundaries, right? Like, you can be, you can be open-hearted, and available, like I was, I was thinking about this this morning, you know, an ex of mine was, was reaching out to me a lot and she was, she was really hurt by the breakup and she was reaching out to me a lot. And, and she was, you know, saying like, you, you know, just first she wanted me back. And then when that wasn't going to happen, then she started asking for other things. But one night she was messaging me and, and she was like, please just tell me why it ended. Right. Like, please just tell me why you broke up with me. And out of compassion, rather than ignoring her messages, I, I said to myself, I said, you know what, let me, let me sit down and really think and give her the most honest, like truthful, heartfelt answer I could possibly give her. And so I really took some time that night and I sat down and reflected like, why did I end this relationship? You know, and like, I, I mean, I was operating more on a feeling that like, I just can't do this anymore. But I really sat down and asked myself, what was that about? And I came up with like a deep, authentic, heartfelt answer. And I gave it to her straight. Like I told her the truth. I said, this is why. And so, you know, if he's asking for something like that, you can be available for that. But if he's not asking and he's just hanging around and talking to your sister and, you know, trying to get you back. I mean, if you've given him your answer, if you've been kind and loving towards him, like, I don't believe we should ever be cruel to people. I believe we should do our best to be kind and loving to people. And there comes a certain point where it's like, I've done everything I can do for you. And I'm not willing to do any more. Like I've, like I've had relationships in the past where I've, I've done everything I could for someone and they wouldn't stop. And so I ultimately had to block them and I wasn't doing it out of cruelty I wasn't doing it like, oh, 
screw you. I'm going to block you because you mean nothing to me. No, like it was, it was painful for me to have to do that. Right. But it got to the point where like, look, I, I've chosen to move on from this relationship. I've done everything that, you know, a reasonable person could ask for in terms of like giving you closure, giving you clarity, helping you understand, right? Like I've done everything a reasonable person could ask for, but it's not enough for you. And like, now I need to make a decision for myself to move on with my life. And, and I can't have you like blowing me up and like some of the messages were getting nasty and, you know, like, so it, it got to a point where I was like, listen, I didn't even say this to her. It just got to a point where I said to myself, like, I, I need to block her now because no amount of me talking to her has helped. And so I just need to make this decision for myself. So to your question, Kaval, I would say that same thing goes for you. You don't need to do anything. Like you can, you can do a quick check and say, have I done everything I need to do to feel that I have been my best self through this breakup? Right? Have I been kind? Have I been compassionate? Have I been understanding? Have I been willing to talk and offer closure and all of that? And if you can say, yes, I've done everything, then you're done. Right? At some point, it becomes his responsibility to take responsibility for himself and his, his life. And if he's still pining over you, it's, and I say this with love, but like, it's not because you're so great and he'll never be able to move on. And you are great and, you know, you're a catch and all that, but, but that's not why he's pining over you. He's pining over you because he's not willing to do the deeper work on himself. Right? He's stuck in all the things I was talking about earlier. Right? He's got that childhood stuff that he hasn't dealt with yet. He's, he's got emotions that he doesn't know how to be with and he's avoiding them. And he just wants you to come back to make it all better. And you can't do that. Like you can't make it all better because if you could make it all better, you would have never broken up with him in the first place. Right? So like if you've done everything you can to be your best self through this process, then all you need to do moving forward is create boundaries, stick to them and forget about it. Move on with your life. If he's, if he's starting a friendship with your sister, like I would communicate to your sister, whatever you need to communicate about it create boundaries there. Like, listen, if you're going to be hanging out with him, don't call me. I don't want you to be, you know, his intercession in our relationship. Like, like he's having you talk to me about stuff. Like I'm not going to be open to that. Right. Like, you know, you can create whatever boundaries you need to create with your sister and then you move on. And when you're with your sister, you don't talk to her about him. She can have whatever relationship with him she wants, but don't get involved in that. Right. So I don't think you have anything to do here. And if, if you find that you feel that like you can't just let it go, then I would ask you what you're hanging on to. Like what righteousness do you have about, oh, how could he talk to my sister and uh, right? Like, or how could my sister talk to him? And like, let it go. Why are, why are you like needing to control all of that? If your priority is your happiness, let him do whatever he wants. Let your sister do whatever she wants and move on with your life right? Prioritize yourself. There's a, you know, it's interesting our tendency to create drama out of a sense of like self-importance. And I don't know if this is going on for you, Kaval. This, this was never my experience of you, but, 
but for, I'm just saying this because in general, this happens for a lot of people is that, you know, there's a tendency to like get this like righteousness and, and like create drama out of like our indignation of how it shouldn't be that way. And uh, like, why do you need to do all of that? Just let it go. Just go be happy. Just go live your life. Right. And then if you are, if you find that you're stuck in some kind of righteous indignation and you're creating drama around it and you're not allowing yourself to be happy because of it, well, then I would, there's some internal work to do there. Right. Because there's something you're holding on to that you're not willing to feel, that you're not willing to be with, that is preventing you from being truly free in your life. Right. And like if your sister, your sister can have a relationship with whoever she wants. She's an adult. He's an adult. Let him do it and move on with your life. Right. Like you didn't want the relationship. So why are you still concerned about it would be my question. Right. Like that's where you've got to find your own closure. Right. Where I don't need. And, and another thing it could be is maybe there's some guilt. Right. Like I've hurt him. And I feel bad for hurting him. And I feel like he needs to be happy before I can move on. That's not true. He's an adult. You're an adult. You both as adults chose to engage in a relationship with it, knowing that it might not work out. You as an adult made the decision that you made for that relationship. Like he's responsible for himself. Again, I would never suggest being cruel to someone, especially someone that you once loved. But if you haven't been cruel and you've done whatever any reasonable person could expect from you, then the only thing you have to do is move on now. So great question, and thanks for asking. Um, yeah, awesome question, Cabal. Okay, so I'm going to take this question from La Dida, and I want to say, um, those of you who were with me last week, you probably heard me answer her last question from last week, and I don't, I don't know if you were on to hear this, but I want to answer it again because you're asking almost the exact same question. Right, so this is the question from la da You say, what if a guy who's a really good man and cares about me but can't commit to a relationship, how do I support him in finding the possibility of something in the future? And my answer is you don't. Right, so, so similar to Kaval's question where you know the guy is pining over her and he can't let go and he doesn't want closure, right? And it's not her job to help him find that. He's an adult. He can make his own decisions. He can be responsible for his own life. Same thing here. If a man is not ready for a relationship, it is not your job to support him in getting ready for one. And like, I want to put this in the context of today's conversation, right? Where you got to ask yourself, how must I see myself? What must my identity be? that I think my best option is to help some guy who doesn't want me decide that he wants me. Now, I know you say he cares about you. That's awesome. I care about a lot of people. Care and commitment are two different things. And it is not like ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this goes for everybody, right? But like, It is never your job to get someone ready for you. And if you are are putting yourself in a position where you feel like it's your job to help someone get ready for you, then 
you must really not understand how great you are. And, and I see your comment here. You say he's going through a divorce. Oh, okay, he's going through a divorce. There are a lot of people who go through divorces and have relationships while they're going through them. It happens all the time, actually. You know, one of my exes, it was actually, I would say, this was my most successful relationship prior to my wife. But of all the relationships I've had, this was the healthiest one prior to my wife. She was still married when we met, but they were separated. Their relationship was over. It wasn't like they were still together, right? They lived in separate houses. They had a co-parenting arrangement where her daughter would be with him part-time, her part-time. They had very, like a lot of distance in their relationship. They had very clear boundaries. Like they were not together in any sense of the word, but they were still divorced and they were going through their divorce proceedings. Now their divorce was completed probably six months into her and I's relationship, okay? That did not prevent her from being all in with me. It did not prevent her one bit from being all in with me. And maybe his situation's a little different. Maybe he still lives with his wife. Maybe their situation's a little more complicated. Maybe it's not so clean and clear, right? Like that could be possible but it doesn't really change anything. Like if he, if he wanted this relationship with you enough, he would do whatever he needed to do to make it happen. If that meant he moves out of the house and gets his own apartment, then that's what it would be. Like he might not be ready. And I'm not saying it has anything to do with you, but like, you know, he might just be grieving this loss. He might be trying to figure out who he is without this marriage, right? Like, but, but again, that's his journey. And I'm not saying he should be ready. He, he, he should take all the time he needs to work through this and get ready. And actually what he should not have is someone pressuring him to be more ready than he is. And I want to say this for everybody because it, it could be a divorce. It could be about something else. It could be about someone who's breadcrumbing you, but like, especially for the ladies. And I, I think this does go for men too, but I want to say, especially for the ladies, because in my experience, women tend to get caught up in this a lot more often than men do. Men get caught up in it too, but, but I feel like it's much more common for women is that anytime someone is not willing to give you what you're looking for and you do anything other than say, you can't give me what I'm looking for, goodbye. You are presenting yourself as a low value person in that partnership. I'm going to say that again. I want to, I want to, I want to be really clear about what I'm saying right now. And I want everybody to get this. If you meet someone, anyone, they could be the greatest thing you've ever seen since sliced bread. And you start dating them. And you start communicating and talking about the future and talking about what you want. And they tell you, I can't give you what you're looking for. And you don't, you do anything other than receive that and let go. You are presenting yourself 
as low value in that relationship. And you are making it a guarantee that that person will never commit to you. So I'm going to go back to Ladi Da's question here. Let's just put it in context. Guy's going through a divorce. He cares about you. He thinks you're great. He thinks you're awesome. In a perfect world, he would want to be with you. But he says, right now, my divorce and my situation is too much. I can't give you what you're looking for. The only appropriate response to that is to say, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. I respect where you are and I respect what you're going through and I respect your process and that you need time. But I also respect myself too much to wait or to think that somehow it's my responsibility to fix this for you. And so it's sad in a perfect world, maybe this would have gone somewhere, but I'm going to say goodbye to you and I'm going to let you go. That is the only way to continue to remain high value in that person's eyes. If you do anything else than that, you will immediately lower your value in that person's eyes. And this isn't arrogant. This isn't ego. Like, because I want you to understand what's happening here. He's saying, I can't give you what you're looking for. I can't make you happy. I can't give you what you want. And you're basically saying, that's okay. I'll accept less than what I want. He cannot do anything else than see, oh, she's willing to accept less than what she really wants. That shows me, she doesn't, one, she doesn't think she deserves what she wants. Two, she's not, she doesn't really love herself enough to be committed to what she wants. You know, she's not going to like really stand for what she wants and fights for what she wants. So in his mind, and, and all of this is subconscious, I'm not even saying that he's sitting there and rationally thinking this out. This is all happening subconsciously, but in his mind, subconsciously, you are going to lower your value in his mind because he's going to recognize that you are willing to settle for less than what you want. And that communicates low value. And so before this, he might've thought you were amazing. Now he's going, maybe she's not that amazing. Now his level of attraction for you is actually getting lower and lower and lower and lower. You cannot compromise yourself without paying that consequence. That's just a simple fact of relating. And the, the opposite of that is also true, right? Like if you were to really stand your ground, and you were to say, listen, I respect that. I respect your process, but you're going to lose me. And I hope you realize that. You might go home that night and you might cry your eyes out and you might just feel sad and, and devastated by the loss. And he might call you the next day and say, you know what? I've been thinking. Maybe I could make it work. 
because you actually put him in the position of having to consider what his life would look like without you. And before it felt like too much. But now that he's really facing the fact that, wow, I'm going to lose this person. And, you know, I didn't feel like I was ready, but I really like her. You know, she's an amazing person. Like, I mean, I don't want to lose her altogether. Could I be ready? Like, what would need to happen? Like, maybe I would need to move out and get my own apartment. Could I do that? You know, I probably could do that, actually. And then he calls you and he's like, no, I think I can do this. Let's do it. Let's try. And what I want to say is that if you put him in the position of really having to sit with the reality that he might lose you, and that doesn't spark some kind of action within him, like if he really sits with the possibility of losing you, and that doesn't make him want to change anything, then honey, he did not like you that much to begin with. And you've got to let that in. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean you're not lovable. But it means he never really liked you that much. That this was just a relationship of convenience for him. That you were there to keep him company during a challenging time in his life. And he never wanted or had any intention to take it further than that. And his divorce was a convenient excuse to let him keep this casual with you. So I hope you heard me today. I know, I know you probably didn't hear me last week because you're coming back with the same question. But I hope you hear me today because like even more than your relationship with him, like I know you don't feel this way right now, but your relationship with him doesn't really matter. Like, let me tell you, there are a million of him in the world. I talk to women every day that have some version of him in their life. That guy is a dime a dozen. But, you know, your your unwillingness to see him for what he is, to see him for where he is, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm saying he's a confused guy who is not ready for commitment. And that's not that rare. It's very, very common. But your willingness to allow that and accept that is just going to attract more of it into your life. So I want you to let that in. I want you to recognize that whatever happens with him is not important. What's important is you getting it that you deserve someone who's ready for you now. And their excuses, their justifications, their reasons don't matter. And you firmly standing in that place could possibly have him get ready for you now. Not a guarantee. But if it's going to happen, that's the only way it's going to happen.
living in this gray area, letting him have his cake and eat it too, that's not going to do the trick. That's just going to perpetuate his non-commitment. You know, we're so afraid. We're so afraid to really own our worthiness and kind of demand what we deserve from life. We're so afraid that if we do that, we'll be left alone and nobody will want us. And like, but, but when you finally get to the place where you have enough courage to do that, that's when everything changes for you. Until then, you're just repeating old cycles. You're just reliving your childhood abandonment wounds. You know, when you were a kid, you didn't feel like you were enough for your mommy and your daddy, and, and now you don't feel like you're enough for the guy you like. You're just repeating the cycle. It's only when you firmly stand in that place of relentlessly honoring your worth that's the only time that things finally start to change for you. All right, thank you for the question. Beautiful question. I know it's tough. But honor yourself. Honor yourself, okay? Above everything. It's like Shakespeare said, above all else to thy own self be true. It's like the wisest words that anyone has ever, ever spoken, right? And I just, I want to say, I see your comment, Latida, that you, uh, you, you did say goodbye, but you're grieving it. So, so thank you for sharing that. I appreciate the update. And what I would say is good job, good job saying goodbye and grieving that loss. Yes, that's what you need to do and turn your attention toward everything I talked about earlier. All right. Like, grieve it in a healthy way. And sending lots of love to you. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm going to go with uh, this question from HK1 Diary. How to deal with a partner who has unfinished trauma with their parents, taking out anger from their parents on their partner? Okay. I'm assuming that's you. Or at least I'm going to speak about it like it's you. Um, so you have a partner who has unfinished trauma with their parents and taking out anger from their parents on their partner. First thing I want to say, and this goes again for all the ladies out there, it goes for men too. Never excuse a man's poor behavior. If he treats you like shit, if he curses you out, if he's not respectful, if he's dishonorable, if he's unfaithful, like never excuse a man's poor behavior. And I know you say he has unfinished trauma with his parents. So do you, so do I, so do we all. Okay, so now I get it. Maybe his situation was extreme. Maybe there was abuse. Like, I mean, I've, I've coached people who have been through the most traumatic, the most abusive situations. So I get it, right? What I, what I want to say is that it's his responsibility to heal that in the same way that it's your responsibility to heal yours. It's my responsibility to heal mine. And, you know, I, I think... Women in particular, because women are more emotionally connected than men in a lot of ways, women, I think, have more empathy than men. And these are all good things, by the way. I'm not saying these are negatives in any sense. But because women tend to naturally be more empathetic, they tend to be more emotionally attuned, they tend to be more understanding, 
they tend to be more selfless. Like women are women are biologically um, attuned to like connect with other people's emotions and and what what another person is going through because like that's what they do as mothers, right? Like when when you have a child, there's this there's this like biological attunement to what's happening with the child, and that's how you keep the child alive and keep them safe, right? So women kind of have this skill built into their biology that men don't have as strongly. Men can develop it, but I, I think it's more natural for women. And because of that, and this is why I say never excuse a man's behavior, because, you know, I, I feel like when a man is being mistreated, it's a lot easier for him to be like, I'm not dealing with this shit. And that's not always the case either, but I think it's more common. Whereas when women are being mistreated, they're, they're more they have a stronger tendency to really say, well, why is he being this way? And to try to understand what's going on and to empathize. And then again, those are good qualities, but where it becomes destructive is when that empathy starts to become excusing. Well, I understand his childhood. I understand what he went through with his parents. I understand why he treats me this way. And like, what I want to say is just Never accept that as an excuse because he's not a child. He's an adult. And we all have trauma. Some more severe than others. I get it. And if his trauma is very severe, then maybe he needs to do more healing than most people do. But you don't ever want to be the one to justify that for him. Right? Like, you don't want to teach him that it's okay to excuse like that, that it, that his behavior is okay. And his reasons for it don't really matter. Right? Like the, again, and this goes back to similar things we've talked about is that you need someone who's ready for you. Now you need someone who knows how to treat you. Now you need someone who's ready to love you. Now you can't date the future potential of someone. So this is going to be my, my last point here. And I want to wrap it up because we're, we're getting close to time now, but how you deal with it. Cause your question is, how do I deal with it? How you deal with it is by being clear what you will accept and what you won't. And it, it depends on the situation, right? Like if someone is cursing you out, calling you names, just anything like that. Um, I mean, there's probably, there, like, there are certain things that are just like a deal breaker. Like the first time, the first time you like treat me like shit, call me names, scream in my face, like we're done. You know, like I'm, I have no tolerance for that. There are other things that are maybe a little more subtle that aren't so obvious that you might have a conversation about and say, listen, this doesn't feel good for me. And if you continue to do this, it's going to be a deal breaker. Right. And so you might, I can't go into every nuance of it and what means what, but you know, you've got to get clear on what you're willing to accept what you're not willing to accept. Very simple. Get clear on what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept and honor that in the relationship. And in the areas where you're willing to maybe discuss it and work on it, okay. I would be selective about what those things are, but okay. And if he's doing things that are deal breakers for you, then you could say to him, like, listen, you have some unresolved stuff that you really need to work out but I'm not going to be your punching bag while you figure it out. It's just as simple as that. Okay. So sending a lot of love, you know, I, I know it's, 
it's always easier for me to sit here and say what you should do. And going through it is much more complex, much more dynamic, much more nuanced. And I get that, right? So I'm what I'm doing here is I'm delivering the principles so you can understand the principles that you want to live by, the principles that are going to allow you to feel great about yourself and succeed in life and in love. But then you're going to need to take these principles and adapt them to the nuance of the situation that you're in. And, and that is where it's more complex. That's where it's more confusing. That's where it's sometimes difficult to understand. And if you would like my help in that, then that's what Inspired Love is for. If anyone is interested in Inspired Love and you'd like more info, you can email me at shaneandfatima at thelivingrelationship.com. We can chat about it there. You can also shoot me a DM on Instagram and just, uh, just say, hey, I'm interested in the program. Please send me more info and um, we'll get you set up that way. But yeah, just reach out to me. Let me know you're interested. We'll send you all the details. Again, we do have... Um, what was I going to say? We do have the early bird special going until October 15th. So we've extended that a couple weeks for you. Really hope you take advantage of that. And um, lots of love to everybody. Thanks for being with me again today. Much love, many blessings, and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.